That's how one should start every podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a professional <laughs> professional opening. I'm a professional lady. Professional a, skills. Her mom's got a professional opening. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I can read, and you can read, and we can read. We're reading together. I married you. You married me. We got married. Yeah, we married each other. Now we're reading books, talking in mics, discussing stuff with one another. We're a a couple's book club. Welcome to couple's book club. There was a burp happening there. No, it it was just dramatic. Uh, Fun fact, everybody. I'm Lauren. That's Isaac. And I have a little bit of a concussion, but I'm also a little bit tipsy (laughs) because I needed some booze to work with our new audio equipment, um, which I swear to God does not work the same twice ever. It doesn't matter. I assume it's probably just haunted. I think it's haunted and it's just fucking with me. Um as far as a malevolent uh, spirit in there that's malevs i don't know if this will actually sound any better um than the old usb mics but we've got a mixer thing now that i barely know how to use and is maybe not actually compatible with computers or life who knows figure it out It's good. It was a weighty sigh. Yeah. This is the podcast where Isaac and I, um, a, a venerable married couple of eight and a half years, read the same book and then we discuss it like a book club. Pretty, pretty much the smallest club possible. Yeah, it's pretty small. It's a couple's book club. I guess you could be in a club with yourself, theoretically. Yeah. But kind of it's not really a club if it's just you yeah that's right i'm drinking a little bit of alcohol here with my uh concussion and i do feel a little out of sorts right this moment um just a l- little bit looped yeah so we'll see how yeah i feel you bro goes. <laughs> also i've been trying to make this audio equipment work for almost two hours so should have uh should have done one when i had vertigo that would have been fun um yeah with all the like like a horrible dry heaving. Well, no, 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 no. Like during in the, the like couple of days afterwards where I was still like pretty out of it, but was like not physically ill hmm. anymore. Yeah, probably not great, but. Whatever, man. Could have been com- unintentional comedy gold. We were going to maybe try and record like on Sunday, but that's the day of the incident. Well, you also don't record on the Sabbath. We almost always record on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> it's Thursday now, uh, but I uh, Sunday somewhere took a hard fall in soccer, and by hard fall I mean a giant dude with giant arms fucking smacked me across the face, and um, I hit my head on the ground. So fuck that guy. Um, he should pay There's for the lost hours I got. Probably this week listening. At work. Yeah, probably. I assume he totally knows who I am. Yeah. I know who he is. He's a white man. White man. They're the worst. They are the worst. What do we read for this time, Isaac? 
I don't even remember, dude. I finished this thing like six weeks ago. I, I finished it almost two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, we read The Cinderella Complex, Women's Hidden Fear of Independence by Colette Dowling. Copyright 1981, which is the year you were born. Yep. So you and this book year. have a, a lot in common. Yep. It's definitely a blessed year. What? It is a blessed year. Right. Year of our Lord. First tr- first uh, almost full year of the Reagan presidency. A lot of great things happening there. Yep. Yeah. I, I really thought this book was going to be a train wreck. Yeah, it was disappointingly mediocre. It was. I mean, I, I don't even know that there was a wreck. It was just like, that's a really old train. <laughs> it's like a, like a wood-fired train. Yeah. There's this, there's this whole like side. It's, like, it's like one of those flat cars with the like. Um, oh, the like that where you have to like pump it. Pump it by hand. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those kind of. Yeah. As far as feminism goes. Yep. So yeah, I guess we could talk about the book. Yeah, I don't know. This is one of those ones that's just like it's, it's not. It's not as bad as we hoped. There's not even that much material to work with. Like, I've got some some shit down because there's certainly some problematic garbage. Sure. In it, but. Um, I expected to be more sort of like infuriated. Right. I thought I was going to be offended. Um, enraged. Yeah. Titillated. <laughs> Tit. <laughs> I do feel weird in my head right now. And it's really <laughs> weird to do this kind of st- sustained like performative talking. Yeah. With a head injury. Yeah. This, this and is also a- the first booze I've had in several days. Um, with and also with a head injury. This is a little bit what it was like when I had to, uh, when I had to teach. Yeah. Uh, those first few days after I came back from Vertigo. Oh yeah. yeah I was yeah. just like, oh, like I'm I'm at like about seventy percent, and like everything is kind of hilarious right now. Yeah, so let's Isaac, do that. Isaac got Vertigo, like last month, and it was. I'm sure it was unpleasant for me to watch. Yeah, the first the first day until I got medication sucked. After I got medication, it was it was generally workable, uh, and now it's like pretty much gone. Like I don't, I do, when I, when I wake up, I feel like maybe like a tiny bit off, but I haven't had yeah. any issues. So hopefully it's it's resolved. But it was yeah. it was it was fun there for a few days. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, this is a weird a weird situation <laughs> to be trying to do something slightly organized. I've never thought that this took much thought or concentration until now yeah well i mean it's not like this is a particularly structured or linear kind of podcast that we do it's whatever i guess we can kind of just talk about what the book is about so colette dowling life colette dowling is a writer and her whole deal so she was um she's kind of a pre-baby boomer was it silent generation or whatever. Fucking no. She realized... Okay, so when she re- realized this thing, the Cinderella complex was a thing, and started researching and writing about it and talking to people about it, was basically... Um, she got divorced when she was about 30, I think, which was like around 1970, and um, she has a couple two three kids she's got some kids 
and she her husband has like mental health or her ex has mental health issues so basically she had to support them on her own through writing and like learn how to be independent and shit which she had never really done as an adult um but then she like met a new dude and they moved in together and she kind of found herself like just falling into like house housewifery um and eventually he was like hey so um are you gonna like do some writing and like support this family because um it's not really what i signed up for is to like support you and your three kids and you never work because um like the fresh bread is nice but that's not really what our deal was and then she was like oh i guess my default is to be taken care of and to be a housewife because that's what i was trained for i'm afraid of being independent and i'm afraid of success and then that's kind of she started writing about that and realized that there were a lot of women who felt the same way. And that's basically what this book is about. Sounds sounds accurate. Yeah. Just meowing into the mic. <laughs> I'm meowing into the microphone. Is that, did you get Pushy into guest in this uh, one? We push, push. A, we have a pizza push. She's very cute. This is, uh, this is going well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good shape here. Good, 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 good. No, you have like thoughts. I just usually I have like a bunch of bullet points, and this time I just have like clusters of like shit that was weird, shit that was annoying. Okay. So we have uh, there are five, five larger points with some sub points. Okay. So there's there's weird language, which is one. Uh, race. Number two. Okay, yep, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck this guy is heading number three. <laughs> okay. Um, homemakers Union Okay. is heading four, and then Anorexia is heading five. Okay. That's what I've got. So I don't know if any of those jump out at you. I have 20 things marked in here. I don't know if all of them are even that interesting, but... Yeah. We can kind of just go through those, and I guess as they line up with yours, we can discuss them. I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. You can just, you know. Or we can go thematically. D- dictate terms. Whatever you know, I even looked at what I've marked since whatever I you marked do with them. It. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. Once again, <laughs> you're witnessing our divorce. God, I do not want to be independent because I do not want to get a full-time job. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> and I peaked out the uh, sound levels. <clears throat> Sorry, it's just being a baby pterodactyl. Good. Good. So a lot of things in this book, I guess, are kind of like stupid. Sure, but it's like second wave feminism. It's very like seventies informed, kind of like post hippie age, but also like it's just out outdated. So many of the ideas are like, yeah, no, that makes sense, or it's still relevant, but like the way that you are coming at it, or the way that you're phrasing it. Or maybe the sources that you have identified of these issues are, are not maybe accurate. Anticipate the future, bro. If she was a true visionary, she'd know right? how people were using these ideas the better part of 40 years later. So she talks about, so the, the Cinderella complex is just kind of this idea that a woman or that women 
want to be saved. They want to be taken care of. Although, like, I guess Cinderella gets saved, but it's not by a man. It's by her fairy godmother who gets her a man. I, I don't I'm not sure the, the analogy I don't, I don't, quite works. I don't remember. How do you not remember Cinderella? What? When's the Cinderella, last time I watched it? No, I'm, I'm familiar with Cinderella. it. I watched it several times. That doesn't mean I remember basic plot details. I mean, I haven't seen it in many, many years either. So, okay, so she starts talking about, like, women who end up getting divorced or whatever. Um, or, in some cases, it's women who, who find themselves, like, oh, they turn 30 or whatever and they're still not married, but they don't know what to do with themselves because it's like at odds with what they were raised to want. Um, and so the idea of freedom being really terrifying. So I'm looking at like 14 and 15 where she's talking about the wish to be saved. And so freedom's frightening. And she's talking about how like it gets difficult when you're no longer able to be just like a good wife or a good daughter or a good student. And it's hard to figure out what you actually believe in as a person. Um, so she says on 15 that can be frightening this dizzying loss of old and outmoded support structures beliefs we don't even believe in anymore can mark the beginning of true freedom but the fact that it's frightening can send us scurrying into retreat back to where it's safe familiar known and the reason that i marked that is because there were things in there that kind of reminded me a little bit of when um like i decided not to be mormon anymore and um, that was fucking terrifying because it was, like, discarding my worldview, but also, like, not that I thought that my family would disown me, but, like, you know, the family support structure, as I had known it up to that point, um, not being able to rely on that anymore or know what that would look like. And that is incredibly scary, that kind of freedom, but also, like, it was fucking awesome. So I can see the temptation to retreat, which is what kind of the Cinderella complex is about. Um, but also, it's so much better, the freedom. So I couldn't quite, like, relate to that part of it. Because it's not like you... I mean, people do it all the time, but I personally could not pretend to, like you know, believe in the stuff I didn't believe in anymore or try to conform with the social expectations that I didn't, that I thought were bullshit. Um, but apparently Colette and her peers can. But also that was like 40 years ago. So that's a thing I marked. Comments, questions. Isaac's just shaking his head hey. silently because that's good podcasting. I got nothing, bro. <laughs> Support you, support you on your journey. That's oh, my, thanks, bro. That's my comment. Um, I just marked a thing about um. So when she and her boyfriend and her kids moved into this house, they like they moved out of Manhattan and moved to like a small town, like upstate somewhere. She threw herself into homemaking, and uh, instead of frozen TV dinners, uh, she started making more like better meals and stuff and she says on 17 within six months of our move to the country i gained 10 pounds healthy i told myself strangely pleased with the change we are all more relaxed 
I took to wearing plaid shirts and rather large overalls, which made me think of I.R. Huckabee's. Well, um, only if she has a bonnet. The bonnet the is essential. The character starts wearing overalls and it's completely unacceptable to everyone. Except for Mark Wahlberg. He likes the overalls. There's glass between us. Later on, there's a chapter called uh, Backing Down Women's Retreat from Challenge. And so it's about like how um, girls tend to do really well in school and stuff. But um, especially back then, a lot of them wouldn't go to college or they'd go to college, but they'd all just like major in like. Get the MRS, bro. Right. and Or like they'd become teachers or nurses for like a year or two and then like stop and become moms and then never work again. She talked about women who, like, academically talented girls are less likely to enter college, complete the undergraduate degree, than equally bright young men. They're less likely to take advanced degrees. They're less likely to use the PhDs they do take. They're less productive than men, even if they do take the PhD, remain unmarried, and continue to work full-time. Um, so, first of all, PhDs are bullshit. I did not, compl- I did not complete mine. Piled higher and deeper. Ho ho! Because it's it's like a shit metaphor for the uselessness of that degree. But she, uh, but then the next paragraph starts with women are continuing to choose low-paying careers. Just capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's most of this book. Yeah, well, because it's like so it's like are... the Cinderella complex parentheses really just capitalism. Yeah. Well, and, and there's kind of a, there's a, there's definitely a, I can't think of the correct word right now. We'll say it's because I have a concussion. Um, But there's like a sheen. There's victim blaming in this book. Like she's not trying to blame victim, like, but there's definitely. It's pretty victim blaming. It's like definitely like you as an individual have failed. But it's like women are choosing low-paying careers. Women ages 25 to 40. <laughs> you can fly. Uh, we're talking about even women who have higher degrees. They take them in like female or poorly paid fields. So presumably that means like nursing or like social work or, Stem or up, teaching bitches. or whatever. Learn to code. Exactly. Learn to code in the 70s could like handle like punch cards and shit do it that way i mean this still the same shit the same arguments are being made today like well, women choose don't choose to go into high like higher paying fields it's like there's so many reasons why that might be and most of them aren't like individual it's like about systemic shit like they may not feel welcome there they have never like been encouraged to be interested in those fields they may be unfriendly towards women or towards like someone who is like concerned about like balance with family life which dudes don't have to be because um sperm uh like contributing sperm doesn't mean you have to spend um 50 of the time with the children can i use that as a segue into my uh fuck this guy heading please okay so there were i i only sort of tangentially remember these examples because i read this forever ago sure uh 
but I have uh, three marked, two of which are academics, which is not at all surprising. <laughs> uh, but the first one is page 90 is the note. This is this is Helmet. I just have, a, have him as Helmet, the asshole academic. Oh, okay. I think he's the one who, like, when he gets home, he, like, closes off a room and gets, like, really annoyed when the kids bother him when he's trying to, like, do his fucking research at home. This guy was a huge asshole. Yeah. Huge asshole. Yeah, so there's Helmet the Asshole Academic. Uh, on 186, I have Dick's Research Group. This guy who's doing, like, research shit. I don't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, he's just another asshole academic husband whose uh, research was, like, cool, and then he left his wife for a younger woman. I don't remember if he was the one who, uh, it was one of those examples, it might have been Helmet, uh, who would want to have, like, his academic friends over. Yeah. Uh, and have these, like, dinner parties. Yeah. And he was, like, bitching at her about not changing up the menu all the time and doing stuff differently and, like ridiculous shit yeah it was one of those dudes uh they were both garbage um although my personal favorite might be i have this is on page 200 uh richard the ad exec who has all these like side hobbies so like i think his wife is the one who's like does like modeling and something else oh yeah 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 um but he has like he does like scuba diving and all these like side hobby shit mm-hmm. instead of like spending time with his kids. Like he works like a full time job and then does all this other stuff. Yeah. And just takes like no interest in his own children. Yeah. So she's supposed to work like multiple jobs and take care of the kids and do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he goes into the fucking dark room or whatever. Yeah. And then it's about how like Evelyn, his wife, like gets jealous of the dark room, but like somehow that's her fault. But also like He's a garbage husband and father. Yeah. 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 No, there were a bunch of examples of that. Just, well, yeah, just the, the, the heading of fuck this guy where it's just like, really? Yeah. Like, I think the issue is just this guy's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, not anything that you're doing wrong other than having picked the guy in the first place, I suppose, uh, which may or may not have been a fully voluntary or fully, you know, independent decision, I suppose, but... Uh, well, because the argument is kind of, I guess, that Dowling is making is that these women are too afraid to divorce these clearly garbage husbands because of the Cinderella complex. Yeah. Which is, and and I mean, but that's like a real thing that's still real today that like getting divorced can destroy you financially. And some people make the calculation that staying married unhappily is in some ways easier or more secure than like you know being happy yeah like if you have kids or whatever happiness is expensive man it's so expensive um well when happiness means your cocaine habit then yes <laughs> Listen, hi- hi- hypothetically hypothetically if you can get the generic of whatever antidepressant works for you it's not really that expensive if you have you know insurance which is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is part of like kind of the main Cinderella complex thing spec on 55. So there's kind of this idea she has that um, she claims is part of the Cinderella complex that women 
don't believe they should have to work deep down or that they won't have to work forever. When suddenly something happens that makes working a necessity, many become inflamed with fierce inner rage to have to work as a sign somehow that they have failed as a as women. Yeah. Or it is a sign that the dream itself is a sham. Or also like maybe it's just a sign that capitalism is horrible and no one wants to have to work, but we all have to. And it's depressing to face that whether you're a woman or not. You just are like, oh, I guess this is life now, huh? It's a bleak hellscape. I was like, I don't know that that's specific to women. Or maybe it's just specific to depressed people who are like, oh, I have to keep doing this. Yeah. This is what's going to happen basically until I die. Cool. Probably after. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. I imagine hell is mostly just like retail jobs. My hell is um, the office that I worked in. That was a windowless room full of cubicles. And all I could overhear was people that I hated talking all day long. And I hadn't discovered podcasts yet or didn't want to listen to them. Honestly, it would have improved my life like 7,000%, even though I would have still hated that job. But still, that's my hell. Oh, I think this is late. a couple pages later. This is like a quote from someone, from some woman she interviewed or something. She said, this is the end of a quote, but she says, to have to work because that's what grownups do. That's going to be your life. I can't face that. It's completely neurotic and infantile, but deep down, I don't want to have to take care of myself. I want someone else to do it. Of course. Who doesn't? Well, yeah. No one wants to work. No one wants to be responsible. Being an adult is garbage. Anyone who, like, is into it is a cop. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) It's like a joke on Twitter. It's like, if you like this thing, then you're a cop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think that's funny for some reason. Just hit me right, I guess. Mm, I, I don't know. She talks about stuff with pre-phobic girls. So, like, and a lot of times they're, like, high achieving academically. There's a lot of, like, borderline Freudian shit in here that I'm yeah. not, I'm not into. I'm not that into either. But the stuff with, like, gifted children being basically, like, let down by life, like... That's like a thing. Are there people who aren't let down by life? I don't think so. I don't think so. But being let down in a specific way. I guess. I I don't know. I've done some reading about it and like. There's a specific kind of, um, I think, I, I don't know, feeling like you're a failure that comes out of having been a person who has always achieved specifically academically and then you get out of school and you don't get grades for life you just like do stuff isn't that just like your paycheck that's how you get graded but it's not it doesn't fulfill you in the way that like outward like confirmation that you get from people being like great job on this you just get paid because you get paid yeah 
I don't know. There was some of that in here, but it wasn't really like fleshed out. And she was saying specifically about like academically gifted young girls who who back away from achievement. And so there was some of that in there that I like have read about in, you know, things that are more recent and that I have kind of related to. But um, this idea that like if you can't do it perfectly, um, then you don't want to do it. I have a tendency to do that. Yeah. Personally. Oh, here's a just a, a just an aside. She's talking about like being counterphobic. So women who are afraid of independence, but like have like a false kind of um, swagger to like cover that up. She's talking about one woman who it doesn't really matter. But basically, part of her false swagger being like, I'm not afraid of being alone. Uh, occasionally, just to prove how utterly dispensable men were, she would have an affair with a woman. Ew. And that's well, where lesbians come from. Unless they're both hot and they are doing it for my enjoyment. Yeah. Then it's fine. Obviously. Oh, so this is the same woman she's talking about. In bed, she was good. This is on page 83. In bed, she was good, but somehow, when all was said and done, not there. A tough nut. A narcissist. A little like a whore. Oh, yeah. I think I put a, <laughs> I put a note in there like, mm, Like, mm. what the fuck? Okay. So that's a little bit of a leap, but all right. Or like, maybe she tries really hard to be good in bed, but her partners are shitty, so she's not actually coming. Also, that's maybe not not the most, you know... Positive take on sex work, but it's not PC. Not PC. Just shit together. This this lady. Oh, so she does. She talks about like the way that that girls are are raised and socialized, which is very important and totally a thing. But this woman was raised in like the 1940s, so some of the stuff is not so relevant. Some of it is sadly completely still relevant um but she talks about girls being convinced that they must have protection if they're going to survive and um and she i'm just gonna there's a problematic analogy i'm gonna throw in here she's talking about um being treated well for being like good in school and well behaved and nice but childlike this is on page 102 not to be taken seriously, and, like the good slaves on the old plantations, easily exploitable. I didn't have that down under my uh, my race heading. That would definitely fall under it. I, I, you're an enslaved person. You're already exploited, whether you're nice or not. Yeah, that's kind of the nature of the institution, I think, but, you know. So, like, don't, that's not a, stop, Colette, no. That's 1980 talking. 1980 is wrong. Oh, shit. Okay. So, later on she goes on and she talks about um, people with actual, like, diagnosable, like, mental health issues. Women. Talking about how... It's 112. One of the one of the psychologists or whatever she interviewed 
said the major psychological problems of many of her women patients stem from the early inhibition of all assertion and sometimes of all physical activity, which was considered either dangerous or unladylike. Two of her patients had literally been tied into their beds at night as girls. Oh yeah, that was kind of fucked up. What? Did you did you watch uh, White Raven with me? I've seen it. Yeah, I think I watched it once. Uh, it just reminded me of that scene when the dad uh, ties the son's hands to his bed at night so he can't jerk off. I was like, I'm not sure that the psychological problem here is that um, she's being unladylike. It's the fact that she was um, abused severely as a child. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Who ties their kid to the bed? There are stories that my parents tell that they used to tie my door shut when I was a toddler because I would wander around the house in the middle of the night and they were afraid I was going to fall down the stairs and die. Yeah. But they did not tie me in my bed. Yeah. (laughs) So fucked up. Well, she seems dangerous for a number of reasons. Right. Well, aren't you just encouraging your kid to with a bed? Well, yeah, I was going to say, if you have to go to the bathroom or like, what if the house catches on fire or something? What the fuck? But, yeah, whatever. It's alternative parody. Um, on 117, she's talking about, like, there's all this stuff about, like, the overbearing father. But then there's, like, the the kind of absent mother. On 117, she's, I think she's talking to that same psychologist about a surprising number of women whose conclusions were basically, I can't tell you much about my mother. There's a vagueness there. Something I can't quite get a hold of. It's like, why don't you ask your mom some questions then? Like, talk to her about herself? Gross. Like, just because she took a back seat to your dad doesn't mean that you have to treat her like that? I don't know. It's very weird to me because that is uh, 100% the opposite of my experience growing up. Yeah. Because my mom has a very big personality. As might be shocking for a lady like me. It was, it's just really sad, the stuff that a lot of these women say about their moms. Like, yeah, she was kind of there. It's like, how is that even possible? It's all sorts of stuff about the mother and the father and the individuation and stuff that's kind of a little pseudo-Freudian that's not necessarily like directly connected to like you know sex drive stuff but is very like old school psychoanalytic i think outdated it's like yeah your parents had a fucked up dynamic but like we don't need to why don't you consult sigmund about it you know how much that guy like cocaine a lot Uh, In a chapter entitled Blind Devotion, page 155, um, I'm not sure the context anymore, but the section's called The Good Woman Syndrome. There's a quote from a psychiatrist talking about denial um, used by the prisoner, slave, or member of a minority group who comes to accept the derogatory view of his own status in order to achieve maximum security and advantage. In other words, there are advantages to remaining in a state of thraldom, blah, 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 blah. Women choose that. It's your fault, ladies. 
Also minorities. Also, yeah. Why do you choose to be um, inferior? Just easier, man. I mean, there is something to be said for that. Like, if you look at, like, anti-feminist women or, like, you know, like the Ann Coulters and the fucking Phyllis Schlafly's of the world who are like, women shouldn't even vote. And yet they're, like, political activists. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they're getting something out of being embraced by the boys club um, while denigrating basically themselves. But I, I just feel like the high risk, not a lot of reward. The only thing is, I don't relate to the Cinderella complex in that I don't want to be independent. I'm just extremely lazy. So I relate to that part about not wanting to have to do things. Um... Women think that doing well professionally will jeopardize their relations with men. Which, like, if it does, then those men are garbage. So, fuck that. Here's a section that was fun. This chapter's called Gender Panic. So, this is a quote from somewhere. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It's on 196. The major disadvantage that the typical husband perceives in having a working wife is the effect not upon the children, but upon himself. A husband has to spend more time on household chores that he doesn't like. And with the exception of lawn and home repairs, he pretty much doesn't like any of them. So first of all, fuck you. Yeah, that's kind of a, a boo-fucking-who Do you think that women like household chores? No one likes household chores. That's why they're called chores. So literally go fuck yourself, husbands. Talking to you over there, Beardo. Keep that in mind. Here's the end of that chapter. Most of us have not yet made a true decision about our lives. Trying to maintain a situation in which we give up neither our independence nor our dependence drains us of energy. Consciously, we blame men for not changing, but unconsciously, we're quite willing to have them stay the way they are. It's your fault if your husband doesn't do his fair share of the work. And, like, sometimes it kind of is if you, like, won't let him. Standards, bro. Or don't demand it. Put the but standards out there. Yeah. Steve Harvey would tell you. I guess my last thing is some, some quote about us contributing, us as in women, contributing to our own weakness and vulnerability. We actually nourish and defend our inner dependency. When we start to see that, we begin to feel stronger. So, um... Sure, there are systems, but mostly it's your fault. The end. What else you got over there? Uh, several things. Would you like to share? Share with the group? Uh, the language thing was the first one. Okay. So just like fucking weird word choice in lots of spots. I had uh, on page 13, she says uh, marsupialized. <laughs> That is a weird word. Something about, like, the, the safety of just, like, getting a kangaroo pouch, I think, was the context of that. Which I don't disagree with, no. but just, like, a weird word choice. I'd choose a wombat, personally. It kind of so felt like a, like a uh, like an undergrad paper where they used the thesaurus <laughs> to try to, like, impress you. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. So marsupialized. There was one on page 40 where she talked about... I think it was something about like an avoidance thing, like skittering sideways. But the metaphor was like 
crabs on a string. I'm thinking, like, who the fuck is putting strings on crabs? Like, do you have, like, crab races? You have, like, a, you have, like, a, like a, a crab is, like, a service animal or something? That, like, leads you around <laughs> on the beach? Are there, it's, like, a... It's like what kind of weird world crimes. is this? There, it's like their chain gang. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is crabs, a we- that's weird a imagery. String. It's a weird analogy. She said, I don't know how to pronounce her if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but she used fucking uh, amanuensis over and over and over again. Like all the fucking time. I don't remember. What I feel like is. it's in there like 20 times. I've looked it up when I wrote this note. I think it's like someone who tends to someone else's needs or something like that. Oh, okay, yes. But I think it's like that I think is one of the like Freudian things. Yes. That filters in. And it's just like it came up all the time. Yeah. It's like you really don't need to like that makes it feel very dated. Yeah. And also like there are other ways to say that. Like you gotta you gotta pull variety in there. Sure. Keep the reader's attention. Not be beating me to death with stupid Freud bullshit, but you know, whatever. That's her deal. She has a lot of deals. It's like fucking Ross, something. Dress for less. Plays the bunch of deals. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure, 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 sure. So there's that. Okay. Uh, the race stuff needs yeah. to be. She's discussed. definitely a white woman. Yeah. I wrote down a few a few examples. There are others, I think some of which you already mentioned, but um she's talking I think she's talking about herself in like an encounter group or something, how she like comes across as like all like assertive. Okay. But the example was that there was a uh, a black ex con in the group that was like afraid of her somehow. Oh, that's familiar. This is a sign of like how hardcore she is. Mm-hmm. That, like, some black dude who's in jail is afraid of her because, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're, yeah. like, yeah. That's the scariest. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, but she's able to put off this attitude that she's hardcore, but inside she doesn't want to whatever. I think this was an example, one of the, like, case study things, but someone who was working as, like, a, like an asset protection person in, like, a store uh, and trying to, like, intercept shoplifters. Oh, this sounds familiar. And talking about, like, the shoplifters that they run into. Uh, and some of them were described as, and this is in, this is a quote, big and black. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how they were, like, the especially, you know, scary ones that you had to deal with. And that they were, like, professional shoplifters who just did this, like, for a job. <laughs> steal shit and resell it. So that was fun. Um, the welfare fraud example, uh, where it's, like, a big deal that it's, like, a white lady who's doing this oh because she filed for welfare in like two states and like maintained a pseudo residence in the second state to draw checks and then yes uh, eventually oh, got nailed yeah, and for she it was, like so sad she had to go to jail yeah she like never thought that would happen was she the one who had the garbage like alcoholic husband possibly i mean she was doing it to support the family or something for some reason i don't remember why it was important for her to have extra income at that point but like also maybe get a job yeah uh and then there's one towards the end where it's like some weird dream that she has okay uh where she she's scared of harlem in the dream sure because that's where black people live i guess 
And then there's some situation where she goes in. This is still within the dream. She goes into some store. Uh, I think she's trying to like buy some clams or some shit. Oh, yeah. And the dude behind the counter is like giving her a hard time. Mm-hmm. And she's like just enraged by the fact that this like african-american dude behind the counter would like nickel dimer because she had like the wrong change or something yes it was like a little bit short and being able to afford her dream clams and then she just like walked out without the clams yeah it was just super weird because it didn't make any sense it it felt kind of like a like a white privilege thing like how dare you treat me like that kind of thing but it's like you didn't have the appropriate like you didn't have enough money for the things you were trying to buy how do you expect that to work? He's not going to just gonna, like give you free shit. But I don't remember what the point of that story was, but I, do I remember I don't being either. like, what the fuck is happening in this story? Yeah. This is irrelevant. Yeah. Colette. When trying to get something meaningful out of like dream interpretation is also pretty Freudian bullshit. Yeah. Not that not that dreams aren't occasionally, you know, somewhat meaningful, I guess, but yeah. like you can't expect to read them in a coherent sort of way. No. And it's really easy to like read significance onto or into stuff that like has nothing to do with anything. It just, just happens your, to be there. It's just your brain like. <sighs> trying to impose order on something. It's just like doing the snow globe thing. It's just shaking up shit that's in there. and Yeah. But yeah, there's definitely lots of like, I'm, I'm a solidly middle class white lady who has very little. Yes. Uh, You know. Well, she does... Contact with more more diverse groups she does at points recognize that this is a very like middle class problem to have that like working class women obviously don't have this crisis because they have to work and they have always had to work right so they don't get to be like i don't want to work it's like they have no choice so they are there are token moments but it's still like kind of a woe is me sort of thing regardless yeah and I mean, there's something to be said for the fact that, like, she has recognized this in herself, and apparently it, it, like, she started writing articles about it, and it struck a chord with other women, and that this was a bestseller. Yeah. And it's not that it's completely irrelevant. There are parts of it that are relevant, and still, because obviously we still live in a patriarchal society, and... What? The way we raise girls and what we expect of them is, you know, we're giving them very mixed messages, um... It's like, go to school, get a degree, but also, what about your poor children if they get raised by daycare providers? Also, you've really made it if you don't have to work. Listen, we all have made it if we don't have to work. (sighs) My kingdom for just like a universal basic income, but... Yeah, good luck with that. I'm not counting on it. Yeah, so I wanted to be more mad at this book than I was. It was mostly just, yeah, out of, just out of date a lot. And there are parts that are still relevant, but a lot of it's just like, okay, I can see how this predated every feminist thing I've read that's been written since then. Yeah. I can see what you're going for here, kiddo. But yeah, I also didn't have a ton of like sympathy for her as a person. I was just like, okay, cool story. I can't really relate, but... You know, good for you, Colette. I Presumably she made decent money off this book because it was a huge bestseller. I think there were like a ton of editions. Yeah. Um. So, you know, her boyfriend could stop complaining about how she's not helping support the family. 
Anyway, so that was that book. Yeah, it's done. It's the thing Cinderella that happened. Complex. Wasn't as even bad as we wanted. Yeah, I wanted it to be like engagingly bad. Yeah. And it was just sort of like, yeah, most of it was just sort of like she'd make a point. It's like, well, yeah, I know that. Like this is not this is not a, you know, shocking observation. Right. Well, and clearly and, and a lot maybe, of this you was know, in 1981, I suppose. At the time, a yeah. lot of I'm sure some of it was very groundbreaking and yeah. stuff that people hadn't really talked about. Yeah. But from our eyes in 2019, we're like, okay, so. Yeah. Okay, that was the Cinderella Complex. A dream is a wish your heart makes. It's a song from Cinderella. Next, we will be reading a book um, that I came upon when I was looking for stuff to buy for my mother-in-law for Christmas. She really likes Civil War history shit. I thought this sounded interesting. Um, and then Isaac and I were both like, I'd read that. So he got us a copy and we will be reading it for our next episode. It's called Midnight in America, Darkness, Sleep, and Dreams During the Civil War by Jonathan W. White. That's right. I put the H in front of the W. White. I'm pretty pumped. I think especially anything about like sleep and dreams and stuff, things before like artificial um, illumination is really interesting um, because sleep is my favorite thing, but also like highly manipulated by the um, technology in our world. So that's what we'll be reading for next time. This has been Couples Book Club. You uh, can get in touch with us. Uh, by emailing couplesbookclubcast at gmail.com. Our website is couplesbookclub.blog. And uh, also you can find us on Facebook. Uh, additionally, if you want to follow me uh, on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at dinolorexnut. And I think that's it. Comments, questions concerns about Cinderella or anything else. Do get in touch. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. This is good. Concussions are fun. Okay, bye.